How many of us know we're in a brand new sermon series entitled David? Last week, we finished Speak Life. If you want, we've had so many people ask us for Speak Life merch, merchandise. You can, we have it. So it's on our online store. Pastor Melissa says you can, you can pick it up. It was my very, it was my, one of my favorite sermon series of the year, but the best message, the, the one I enjoyed the most was last week's message. So if you didn't get to hear it, go listen. I, I, I included second service. And uh, last week I gave out these little barrel uh, swivels. And this little barrel swivel was designed to, to remind you to share life. To speak life, the most important words you can speak are words of the salvation message. To tell people how they can be saved. To use your words to get out there and fight against, you know, uh, you know embarrassment or, or just getting complacent. But to, but to speak life. And so I put this because it has a, a great little spot to put it on your keychain. I put it on my keychain and it's on the keys that I use to lock up. So I'm locking up. I'm one of the last ones on the campus. And I uh, got a couple of youth with me and my kids and all. And there's this young lady walking through the, through the parking lot. She's coming over. And you could tell she's pregnant. And I thought, man, it's super hot around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we get off campus. And she comes up and, and, and she, she needs some financial assistance. And I said, yeah, we can, we can take care of that. I'd, we'd love to. And I could see my, my kids smiling at me. And this little thing's in my hand. And I'm going... What a beautiful opportunity. Then her husband drives up by the time I come out with the gift cards for, for Walmart, H-E-B, I don't remember which one. And he's up and, and I just take the time to share the gospel with him. And you should have seen the response he had and to be able to tell him, you know, the good news is that, that the grace of Jesus Christ will cover everything and wash you white as snow and make you a new person. And when you receive Christ in your heart, he changes you inside. From in here, he does things you couldn't do. Things that you've been struggling with for years. Things that you, you, you ways you've been looking at the world. He'll change the way you look, look at things. He changes the way you think about things. He changes things. And the beauty is that when a man comes to the Lord, the whole family changes with him. And I started talking to him about legacy. And you should have just, it's a beautiful thing to share the gospel. Can I tell you? Let this be a reminder. Everywhere you go, you go, well, pastor, that was, that was an alley-oop. God gave it to you. Hey, God gives, he'll, he'll, he'll set you up for a good. He will. He'll, he'll pass it out there so you can, you can do your part. Amen. But you've got to be willing to. Amen. So I'm excited to remind you of that. If you didn't get to listen, go on the app. Listen to last week's message. Today, we start a brand new series. Now, this series is going to be a little bit because it's going to take a while to get through David's life. But we're going to cover David. David, that, that magnificent character that just draws us in. Marvelous, amazing, but very ordinary at the same time. And yet extraordinary. You can't help but relate to him. You can't help but cheer for him. You can't help but admire him. You also can't help but be disappointed, challenged, and you can't help but feel. What would it be like to be David? Can I tell you, in many ways, you are a David. 
And I'll tell you why. Because God chose David. If you're here and you've experienced the love of Jesus Christ, God chose you. You know, many times we feel, well, well, I chose God. I gave my life to God. The Bible says no one comes to the Lord unless he draws them. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. God drew you into his presence. None of us just choose God. God chooses us. The Bible says this very clearly. We love him because he what? First loved us. We wouldn't know what God's love was if we weren't if it wasn't revealed by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk to you about 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 16. We'll cover most of the chapter. And we're going to center our discussion around three basic items. Number one, Samuel. We're going to hear what God has to share with us and how we can be encouraged and learn from Samuel's example and what Samuel brings to the table. Number two, David. Number three, we're going to talk about anointing. And I'm really, I'm really excited about anointing because the anointing is a supernatural enablement, a supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit comes in and enables you, equips you, empowers you for a purpose, a task, uh, an assignment, something that you could not do in your own strength and you need his. You absolutely need his. Come on, how many of us would say, Lord, that's called life. Yes, I, would, I, need his, I need your strength, Lord, for life. Well, then you need the anointing. And I'm covering the, the uh, awesome, awesome, awesome qualities and an example of anointing, the anointing of David, because I want you to prepare your heart and to consecrate your heart for what happens next week. Next week, we're going to anoint every student, Every teacher, administrator, bus driver, if you have anything to do with the upcoming school year as a homeschool parent, we want to anoint you for the task at hand. You say, but pastor, what, what, what is this about? This is about a church saying it is possible for us to convey a blessing when we lay our hands on folks and to remind them of what they received the day they were saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's okay to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us of what he stands to do and only he can do. And so we want to pray a blessing over each and every one of you. But I want you to prepare your hearts even now. Even now. Amen. And so not only am I going to cover these three uh, main topics, but I'm going to hit four subtopics. We'll, you'll hear purpose, person, place, and power. Person, purpose, place, and power. Come on, let's get right into it. First Samuel chapter 16. Samuel anoints David. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. So we ask Samuel a very important question. You might say, pastor, slow down. I don't even know who Samuel is. Samuel, very easily put, is the great prophet of God. I call him the great prophet because in many ways the Lord indicates this in, in different places how much he valued Samuel. And the fact is Samuel was a blessing to his mother H Hannah and to his parents because they could not have children. His mama cried for a child said, Lord, please bless me with a child. If not, I'll die. 
And the Lord blesses her. And this was her promise to the Lord. If you bless me with a child, we'll give him back to you. And so when she had winged him off her breast, she brought him to to Eli the priest and gave him to the Lord. Samuel was the young man that heard God's voice calling him. And he kept asking Eli the priest, have you called me? Have you called me? And Eli said, no, it's the Lord. The next time you hear the voice said, here, your servant is listening. And from a very young age, Samuel was, was used by God. He was also anointed to carry the mantle of prophet over an entire nation. He was used to anoint, listen to this, the very first king of Israel named Saul. He's mourning for Saul because while Saul was not his son, he viewed him as a spiritual son. And he mourns for Saul as a father would mourn for a son who is going through a hard time. Now, what kind of hard time is Saul going through? The worst kind of hard time. God has rejected him. Now, why has God rejected him? God has rejected him because Saul has been unfaithful and disobedient to the Lord himself. See, when God calls you to do an assignment, how many of us know that obedience is super important to the Lord? This is really, really important, guys, because in our culture, in today's day and time, we've gotten so loose about words, and we say, oh, we love God, but but if you disobey God, do you love Him? No, John says it over and over, says if you don't obey God, you don't love Him. You say, Pastor, but what if, what, if, uh, what if I fail? No, we're going to fail. The question is, do you make a habit of failing and living in such a way that it's disobedience? See, to fail now and again still means you can be walking toward the cross. I stumble, but I get up. But what if I just don't care about the Lord and I do things over and over and over? It means it's a habitual way of life in that I do it disobediently. Even though I know God says this, you know what, eh, you'll forgive me. So, so this is what happens. God gives Saul very clear direction. Saul decides to take it into his own hands and do it his way. And, and this is what God had asked. He said, I need you to destroy a group of people that I've decided to judge. We have to be careful because we read passages like this and we think, oh God, you're so mean. But how many of you know, if you're perfect, you know how to judge perfectly. And so when you decide, hey, time's up because I've given you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and if I keep giving you more, you're just gonna what? Create more opportunity for me to be wrathful. So in my mercy, I'm gonna cut it off right here. And that's what he does. He decides to to cut it off. He was using Saul to administer this judgment. But Saul decides to do it his way. God wakes up Samuel, the great prophet, and says, I've rejected Saul. Go see what he has done. He has been disobedient. When Samuel gets there, the king of Israel greets him with cheer and excitement like a like a son would greet a dad and then he says I've done all that the Lord has said and he says why do I hear the noise of the animals that you were supposed to have destroyed and Saul says I've saved them to honor them as sacrifice to the Lord and this is when Samuel says to him the Lord requires obedience that should be your sacrifice oh 
Your sacrifice should be one of obedience. Rebellion or disobedience to the Lord is like witchcraft. You've committed witchcraft in God's eyes. And today, he what? Rejects you as king. I want to highlight something for you that I'm going to make a big point in the coming, in the coming uh, weeks. Is that Saul's response is very different from David's response when they are confronted with their sin. Because both fall... But this is the difference between someone who is walking in disobedience and someone who had a disobedient moment. Their response. Saul is worried about himself and he says, please don't, don't, don't do it here. I'm worried about the people. Don't make me look bad. Let's keep going and pretending. Let's keep, let's save face. What does David say? I could care less about the kingdom. I could care less about what the people think. I could care less about anything. Take it all. I don't need it, any of it. All I want is you, God. Don't take you from me. Oh, it's a big difference. And so watch. Saul has been rejected as king. And Samuel has a heavy heart. Can I tell you? Watch the next verse. Since I have rejected him uh, as king over Israel... Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Wow, let's just unpack some of this. So the prophet of God, the great man of God, has a heavy heart. A heart full of sorrow, but a horn filled with oil. That might be you here today. You might have a heavy heart because you've been pressed. You've been crushed. You've been disappointed. You've gone through a hard time. Praise be to God. Joy comes in the morning. Why? Because today he is filling your cup ready for anointing. He's ready to anoint you. Now listen to this very, very closely. Because he has a crushed spirit, but a horn full of oil. Can I tell you, you cannot get oil unless you crush the olive. And so sometimes God will crush you in order to what? Produce the oil of anointing that you're going to need to go to the next level. So if you're here today and you've been pressed and, and you feel crushed, he's not done with you. He's got something in store because at the end of the day, we must learn to die to ourselves that we might live for him. That's something that Saul couldn't understand. He never wanted to die to himself. Even in the midst of God's rejection, he could have died to himself. But then again, he would be David and not Saul. And so here, you say, Pastor, is this, is this found anywhere else in the Bible that, that, that you must be crushed before there could be anointing? How about in the greatest example of Jesus Christ at Gethsemane? Read with me. Mark 14, the entire chapter is dedicated to this, or most of it at least. They went to a place called what? Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here a while while I pray. As they fell asleep, he could only go alone because in the crushing press, you have to go alone. And in the crushing press, it was there where he released his will for the will of the Father. Amen. This is why the Christian message is about dying to yourself that you might live for him. Taking up your cross that you might live for him. Unless a seed die, it cannot live and reproduce. 
And so here, Jesus is crushed to the point that he sweats out through his pores blood. Blood. The olive is being crushed. Do you realize that the word Gethsemane is made up of two Hebrew words, got and shan im, which means the place where the olive oil is pressed. The crushing floor. There he was crushed. You go, but how, what did the, what does the oil signify? It was the blood, listen, that, that washes as white as snow that happened at Gethsemane and Calvary. See, we separate the two. It, Gethsemane has to be combined with Calvary because at Gethsemane, he could have what? Refused to go to the cross, but in his righteousness and goodness and mercy and grace and being in the very nature of God, it was there that he what? He gave up his will for the will of the Father and it was there that death was defeated. The, the cross just needed to just, it was just, a, oh, come on now. You go, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Okay, let's go back to our verse where Samuel is talking now. Now watch this. Fill your horn with oil because I'm sending you to Bethlehem. That is a direct, I believe, indication of what the ultimate crushing would be in Jesus of Bethlehem. Jesus was ultimately coming in the line of David. Read with me what the gospels say in Luke 2, 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. How many of us know that places are important to God? And this place, Bethlehem, is being marked as a place where the... You say, are you sure, Pastor? Do you realize about eight years, six or eight years ago when I went to Jerusalem, they took me to a place our guide who's working with an archaeological team where they feel they've discovered the exact place where Jesus was born and it's not the one that was indicated by Constantine's mother, the queen. This was, was traced back through the, through the historical records as being belonging to Boaz which is in the direct line of Jesse and David. And Boaz and Ruth would have crushed their, their olives there where Jesus was born. Because ultimately, Jesus would be crushed so that we might be what? Washed white as snow and anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, ultimately, the oil represents the Holy Spirit that anoints every believer when they are saved. Every believer that's saved. You say, okay, okay, I'm starting to put the pieces together here with you, Pastor. Keep going with me. Verse 2, we've got 13 verses. <laughs> we've got to move along. Come on, guys, listen faster. <laughs> but Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Verse 1 said Saul had been rejected. Now, verse 2 tells us he's very much in power. This is the principle I want you to grab. When God said it, it's done. It's all over but the crying. So, guess what? God said he's rejected. He's rejected. He might still be in the office. He doesn't know it's over. But guess what? It's 
over. That's why when Jesus at Gethsemane released his will and said, not my will be done, but thy will be done, it was over because God can accomplish anything, including the power over death. So if you're here today, today is the day of salvation by saying, Lord, I release my will to you. I release my will to you. Now watch what happens. Take a heifer. This is what the Lord says. You don't have to worry about Saul. This is what I want you to do. Take a heifer with you and say, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. This is so beautiful here, guys. Because Saul represented the people's choice. David represents God's choice. Now we saw what the people's choice gave them, a a selfish king. Here, God is going to give them a selfless king. Ultimately pointing, not a perfect king, because the perfect king is being pointed to, through David, to who? To Jesus. To Jesus. He says that I will indicate for you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Oh, this is so important. What does it mean to consecrate yourself? It means, Lord, right here, right now, not my will, but thy will. Lord, I give up what's important to me to grab hold of what's important to you. Lord, to consecrate means to set apart. I may be in the school system. I may be in the worldly system. I may be in the business system. I may be in whatever system I'm in, but I'm not of that system. I belong to you, Lord. To you. To consecrate means to set apart. To take it and wholly dedicate it to God. Notice, before to next week, Set yourself apart. Decide ultimately, God, what makes the anointing possible is that I dedicate myself to you. Come and sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse's sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Stay with me on this. Notice how he leads Samuel. We're still learning from Samuel here. Samuel, the great prophet of God, is being led by the Spirit to where? To Bethlehem, specifically to the family of Jesse. But he doesn't tell him much else. Can I tell you, God's word literally says that it will be a a what? A lamp unto your, and a light unto your path. Can I tell you? We've gotten spoiled in our modern technological age in that I've got a flashlight that can it can go like two football fields this thing would just shoot for miles back then they had little lamps and they would carry them right in front of their feet and they would cast the light down because if it's too high up that it kind of blinds you it would cast down to your feet so that you won't step on a snake you won't step on a snake you can know where you're going you won't fall in a hole You can see where you're going. But how far would that lamp reach? 
it, it would reach a couple of paces. A couple of paces. Come on, how many of us want God to reveal the whole plan of our lives to us? But, but if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, Lord, give me the whole plan so I can what? Ask you to sit in the passenger seat and take control. And isn't that what we would do, men? Ladies? Say, now let me drive. You've given me 10 years. I'll check in with you at year. And then at year 10, God, this worked pretty good. Let's, let's do 20 years. I want a 20-year plan, roadmap for my life. Come on, let's do this, Lord. No, God says, I want you checking in with me. What? Day by day, moment by moment. He says, if any man care to be my disciple, he must die to himself daily. Means in every situation, in every circumstance, in everything that challenges you, even those moments that don't challenge you, check with me, let me know. So this is how the prophet is sending to God to anoint the king of Israel. Come on, how many of you would be freaking out? You know, it's interesting because every time we plan something here at Foundation, we get so many questions. I'm like, dude, just show up. But is there going to be this? And I'm going to know if there's going to be that. And there's going to be this. That, that, that. Just show up. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Some of us are too hyper. Let me just stop right there. I may lose you if I go where I need to go. But I just want you to learn from the man of God. Oh, we got to have everything explained to us. We would never be able to anoint a king. God would say, you know what? I'm going to pick somebody else to go anoint him for me. Someone that can walk by faith and not by sight. And so here, the prophet of, the, of God goes. And here's another point I want to make to you in verse 6. When they arrived, that means the family of Jesse arrived. Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. Stands before the Lord. So what I want to show you here is even a great prophet of God can be fooled. Anyone here, could you say you're at least as great faith-wise as Samuel? Anyone? Then I want you to know, if Samuel can be fooled, you can too. Then what's the key, pastor? If anybody can be fooled, what's the key? The key to was to walk in the anointing. Samuel had an anointing of what? A prophet anointed by God. That means he had the Holy Spirit on him, in him. He was being led by the Spirit. It's the same way we're supposed to walk. By the Spirit of the living God. And he walks into that home by the Spirit of the living God. And God says this to him. Watch this. Do not consider his appearance or his height. Now why is height important? Because the people's choice was a foot taller than anyone. Why? Because they wanted someone that looked like a king. That gave that king vibe. Watch what the Lord says. I'm not interested in what the people want. They got their choice and we saw where that led them. This is my choice. Watch what he says. For I have rejected him, the tall son. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at the Lord looks different at different things people look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart come on stay with me on this now we're going to learn from from not only Samuel but from David 
God is saying the people looked at what a king should look like. I'm looking at what? The heart. The heart is so important. Can I tell you, parents, the most important thing you can do for your child is teach them to love the Lord with all their heart. Can I tell you, adult, it's more important than working on your skills. Some of us work so much on our skills, maybe you should work first on your heart. Some of us work on our reputation, work on your heart first. Some of us work on our education, work on your heart first. Work on your heart. It's more important than anything you can do. But I'm working on my talent. I'm working on my giftings. I'm working on this and that and my personality. I want to learn how to influence people. Work on your heart and God will do the influencing for you. Work on your heart. Think about this with me for a second. Come on, live this story with me. Saul looked like a king. He had it all sorted out from a worldly perspective. What does David have? What does David bring to the table, really? He's a teenage shepherd. Shepherds were considered on par with prostitutes. He has nothing but a good got a good heart can I tell you you work first on the heart parents we're so into education and this and that but we don't teach our children how to love God with all their heart love God with all your heart listen to what David says search me oh God and know my heart I lay my heart bare before you this is consecration this is consecration why everybody consecrated themselves who wasn't there to consecrate himself? David wasn't there. Why? Because David had already consecrated himself in the field between him and God. He's like, search my heart, Lord. Try me and know my anxieties. Know what makes me nervous. Know what gives me fear. Know what makes me anxious and, and worrisome and, and, and puts me out of sorts. Oh, if we would do this, We'd put the drug manufacturers that are, that, are, that are pushing Prozac and who knows what else out of business. If we would just say, Lord, come on. Search me. You do the healing in me. See if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in your way everlasting. God, see, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the land looking for those whose hearts are set on him. And God is saying, I need a king and I'm looking for him. There he is, a little shepherd boy, and I'm going to take him from the pasture to the palace. Oh man, God wants to take someone here from the pasture to the palace. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him, Isaiah says. Seek him. Did I tell you something? David was a God chaser. David was after God's own heart. This is what God says. Finally, I found a man who's after my own heart, who wants to love me with all they have. Church, is there someone here that can dedicate themselves, consecrate themselves today, say, Lord, I've been doing it wrong. I want to chase you. I want to go for it with all my heart. I want you to know that I want to love you with everything I had. I heard a pastor say once, David was dating God. 
I want to go a step further. No, David didn't date God. David married God. David said, Lord, without you, I am nothing. I'm all in. I burned the ships. I burned the bridges. I, I have no retreat. It's me and you or I cease to exist. Read his, read his Psalms. He was all in with God. And this is what God chooses. So then, Jesse called in Abinida and said, and had him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen him either. Jesse had Shammah passed by and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen him this one. Jesse had, in fact, seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all of your sons? Think about this. Remember that two-foot lamp. God said, go to Jesse. He's here, seven sons. Samuel's probably thinking as a prophet, stay with me on this. Seven is the number of what? Completion. Surely it's one of these seven. God is doing a complete work. But instead, David is number what? Eight. What does eight stand for? New beginnings. Can I tell you, God wants to do a new beginning in your life today. God wants to do a new beginning in your life this school year, young people. Believe him for more. Believe him for something greater, amen? And so I want to share something else with you that we find about David. Not even his family believed him. Before God anoints you, you might, you might not even have anyone's confidence. Can I tell you, you don't need somebody else's confidence. All you need is God's anointing power. You might be in a position where your family doesn't even believe in you. Your friends don't even believe in you. You don't, you don't have anyone going for you. Can I tell you, when Pastor Melissa and I first started Foundation, we went to a so-called expert that was over one of the largest denominations, uh, and we were sent by that denomination to this expert. He told me, you have no business starting a church. Some of my best friends said, hey man, you, you have no business starting a church. Some of my own family members were saying, hey, Chris, I don't think you should start the church. But God said, go in my blessing as he anointed it. And when he anointed it, you know, think about this with me for a second. I didn't know the first thing about pastoring. Some of you might be here today. You still don't. Thank goodness there's a big God that watches over me, that he's never left me or forsaken me. And he has promised me to lead me all the way in his path everlasting, that he will go before me and guard me from behind, that he will show me things in his spirit when it's time. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God is what you need. I can remember a young pastor coming to me in the early days saying, We've seen your success. How did you do what you do? You know what? And he says, I've got money. I've got people. I've got even a building. I said, you don't need the ABCs of church growth. You don't need them. In church growth, people think it's all about what? Attendance, buildings, and cash. And if you've got those three, you can build a church. You know what I told him? The most important thing you need is God's blessing. God's blessing. God's blessing. That's called the anointing of Jesus Christ. You're saying, Pastor, you saying you've been anointed? So have you. So have you. You love him because he first loved you. 
And so his family didn't even believe in him. I can almost imagine his dad answering the question, well, there's one more. But he's out in the field. And he's kind of a little bit weird. Well, let's not use that word, honey. I could hear David's mama say, don't call him weird. Right? He's eccentric. He's unique. Okay, we'll go with unique. He's unique. He didn't play football. He didn't play baseball. Come on. Someone here is chasing baseball all over this country. Someone's chasing soccer all over this country. Can I ask you to chase God like that? Chase God like that. Chase God like that. You go, oh, I do. I do. I do. I do. No, no, no. Do your children know the plan of salvation? Do they know who God is? Are they memorizing? Are they studying the Proverbs? Are they in God's word? Oh, well, well, uh, what do you think we're doing? You think I'm just preaching just to... I actually believe this. I want you to believe it. So, so watch, I can almost imagine his dad saying, saying, but yeah, they're, they're, my kid, he's out there. He's kind of a musician type. You know what I'm talking about? Those musicians, they're, they're real touchy-feely. He's always writing down these poems, you know. Oh my gosh, I don't understand. And mom's going, no, he's very sensitive. He's got a good heart. Right, mom? He's got a good heart. He loves the Lord. And I can hear Samuel going, he loves the Lord? Oh yeah, he writes these beautiful love poems to God. What does Samuel say? Go get him. And none of you sit down until he gets here. Do you realize that the commentators I read said that he could have been a couple of days away? And the prophet of the Lord says, we're standing here until he shows up out of respect for the Lord's anointed. No, think about it. Watch. Watch the introduction to him. They're still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. That, that's the way of saying he wasn't all that, but we're trying to Right? When you say he had like a fine appearance and he had some handsome features. He, you know, when they describe David's children, he say he was the most handsome in the land. No one else looked like him. But with David, eh, eh. and he's a teenage boy. He comes in looking like a shepherd. Smelling like a shepherd. Think about this. What does God care about? Your heart. No, think about this. The very next chapter, he kills Goliath. The very next chapter after that, he's killing tens of thousands. Everything he touches succeeds. Why? Because when God is with you, who can be against you? Can I tell someone here today, you want to take your life to the next level? Get your heart right. You want to take your family to the next level? Get your heart right. Get the anointing 
based on the promise of God looking for those whose hearts are set on him. Rise and anoint him, the Lord said. So this is where we finish. Rise and anoint him, verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. That's awesome. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel went back to Ramah. Or Ramah. You say, from that day on, David received power. Kind of reminds me of Jesus' words. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit anoints you. But if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I need a fresh anointing. Is that biblical? Psalms 92 talks about fresh oil. Fresh oil. But for fresh oil, there needs to be fresh surrender. Fresh surrender. You know how many times, I've read through the kings a lot, and some of the kings start off real good and then they go off a cliff because they never got fresh oil that can only come with fresh surrender. When David sins, you'll see there was fresh surrender. Fresh surrender and the Holy Spirit anoints him fresh. The Bible says about King Uzziah that he was greatly helped by God. That God helped him in such a magnificent way that that just had so much success that he was puffed up with pride. And then he went off a cliff because what he needed was fresh surrender to get fresh anointing. Some of us here today don't feel like we once did when we were first saved, when we were on fire for the things of God. Get a fresh anointing today. Oh, what's the key? Get your heart with God. Say, Lord, I want my heart to be completely yours. Today, I consecrate myself. I pull myself out of the world and out of distractions and I give myself freshly to you. I surrender again that you might anoint me fresh by the power of your Holy Spirit. Pastor, I still don't understand exactly how Samuel knew it was David. See, when you're walking with the Lord, he speaks to you deep inside of who you are. But he also shows you in a very, in a very physical way. He'll confirm what's happening here with what's happening here. You go, well, what was happening in front of him? When you put oil in the horn, how would you keep the oil from spilling out? You put a topper on it? No, they put wax in the bottom of the oil of the horn. That wax would melt by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he'd put it over one, nothing's happening, not you. Bring the bring the smelly one. Right? Bring bring the shepherd. All of a sudden it starts to flow. Now I'm finished. But you say, Pastor, you didn't really concentrate on the place that much. You talked about the purpose, the person, the power. What about the place? This is where I finish. Notice what happened. They sent for David to come to the oil. Notice what did not happen. What did not happen is the oil didn't go to him. Some of us want a fresh anointing but we want God to do it at our house. We want God to do it over there. We want God to do it over here. We want God to do it where we're at. Notice what this represents. 
this side, this side of the stage always represents what? The world. We're living in the world. We're partying students like the world. We're talking with our friends just like the world students. We're acting and have a worldly attitude and we want a fresh anointing. Can I tell you? It don't work that way. You want to know where the anointing takes place? In God's house. In God's house with his people where the spirit of the Lord is activated. So if you're here today and you feel the spirit of the Lord saying, hey, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Come out. Give yourself afresh to me so I can freshly anoint you. And you've come to the right place. Lord, we know that you were crushed in Gethsemane, the olive press, so that we might have anointing. We know, Lord, that when we partake of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit of communion, there is fresh anointing. So right here, right now, Lord, we say thank you. We surrender anew. And we ask you to anoint us with fresh oil. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you and I ask you for someone that's feeling crushed. That you would let them know that the oil is about to come. That there is new beginnings when you bless someone. And God, right here, right now, I pray that every one of us would give us, give you our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great, great week.